I'm Ali Spears, and this is The Dirt, where we dig deep with those helping to feed the world. Episode 23, Mary Heffernan with Five Mary's Farms. All right, today I am sitting down with Mary uh, from Five Mary's Farm, and they are a California family that has taken entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship onto like a whole new level uh, with all of their businesses that are centered around their family, their farm, and their ranch. Um, so like I said, they have a lot going on and a, biz- or a bio that really kind of writes itself, but I don't want to give too much away. Uh, so I, if Mary, if you would kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your family and your story to kind of get things started here. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, we have been ranching for seven years. We are new first generation ranchers, but my husband and I both had, um, our families both had deep roots in California agriculture. Um, Brian's family were farmers in Imperial County and then in Tehama County. Um, his dad farmed, um, trees and nuts, which is pretty different than raising animals. So we still had a steep learning curve. Um, and my family were farmers in the, um, Pajaro Valley, uh, near Watsonville. So we both, uh, I grew up pretty traditional suburban lifestyle in the Bay Area, um, what's now known as Silicon Valley, and has changed a ton since I grew up there. Um, But I have always been drawn to kind of the agricultural Western lifestyle, um, even though I did not grow up in that at all. So uh, Brian and I met in Menlo Park. He hoped to follow in his dad's footsteps in farming. But, you know, there wasn't room for him in his dad's operation. And he, his dad gave him some wise advice to, you know, go out on his own, find a way to make a living, and maybe someday he could get back to agriculture. Um, so he was a lawyer. He went to law school at Santa Clara and was working in the Bay Area um, in a big corporate law firm, you know, working in a high rise, wearing a suit every day. And um, we met and got married and started having kids And I've always loved the entrepreneurial um, spirit. I love starting businesses. I love kind of seeing an idea and um, finding a niche and turning it into a business, you know, from creating a logo to designing the website, um, logistically figuring out how to set it up, price point. Um, I've always just been really passionate about that. So I had started a couple small businesses when I met Brian and then um, he kind of caught the entrepreneurial bug too, and left his big law firm to start his own, you know, hanging a shingle type of a law firm, boutique law firm. Um, and then we both had, we both started restaurants. Uh, we started our first restaurant totally as an accident. We wanted a place where we could find uh, great quality food, but take our kids and um, source, you know, really good ingredients and have a family-friendly menu that was really good quality. So we thought we would open up kind of a clubhouse and have food catered in and, um, you know, have the design really appeal to adults, but be also kid-friendly. And um, it was in this source and looking to source really good quality meats that we kind of became really passionate about great quality beef and where to find it. We'd worked with some small farms um, who had a great story. You know, it was a great family out there on rolling green hills with their kids, raising beef. And um, we just found that there were a lot of inconsistencies in the meat that we were getting, whether they couldn't provide it year round, they couldn't provide enough, or um, the quality just wasn't there because of the finish program. You know, for 
um, a lot of operations, the finishing is just not a priority because they're not seeing the end result of who that beef's going to. So we wanted to find somewhere where we could make sure we were getting cattle with great genetics, great genetics for marbling, really good quality black Angus beef. Um, we wanted a barley finish. We wanted um, to be able to dry age and extended dry age. We wanted extended finish time on feed. And we, so we, we tested all of these different kinds of meat and really figured out this is exactly what we wanted, a 21 to 28 day dry age, um, fed on barley, great genetics. Um, and we couldn't find anybody who could do this for us year round. You know, it's really hard for most operations to pivot to meet the needs of someone else. They've already got their own thing going. Right. So we kind of looked at each other and just said, you know what, why don't we do this ourselves? Um, we've always been kind of go big or go home people. And my brother-in-law was a cattle rancher, a fifth generation Oregon cattle rancher. So we said, Hey, we'll just lean on Donald and he can help us figure out how to do this. Um, we found a piece of property that we knew had great water and enough land for us to raise the animals we wanted to. And we jumped in with both feet thinking that this would be a weekend, you know, our weekend escape and, a um, another business that we'd add to our already busy lives. Um, we quickly realized that was totally naive and not possible. <laughs> we were coming up here every weekend and there was so much to do. Um, we tried to have a ranch manager here during the week so that we could go back and, you know, work on our old lives and um, it just wasn't working. And so we had to make a decision and pick one. And it was honestly the biggest yet easiest decision we ever made driving back to the Bay area one weekend. We just look at each other like, why are we leaving what feels like home? Um, that, that's where we want to be. That's where our heart is. That's where we want to raise our kids. So we pulled up chocks and as easy as it was to make that decision, it was not easy to unwind our old life and sell our house and sell our businesses, close businesses. Um, he gave his law firm practice to a friend and we um, did that really in a couple months and we're up here full time um, by June of the year we bought the ranch. Um, in the process, we also found such a great community here in a rural small town, which is not something we looked at when we bought the ranch. It wasn't a factor because we didn't think we'd be living here. So right. we were just really lucky to um, end up in a community that's really supportive and, um, you know, neighbors help neighbors. The kids have great schools. Um, and that really helped our decision to, to kind of do this full time. Yeah. And your guys' name to behind your kind of family farm and ranch and everything is very unique. So would you maybe kind of explain that too? Because I think it's something that not anybody probably can compare to as far as kind of the story behind it and all that. Yep. So we farm as five Marys. Um, my husband actually picked the name because his wife and four daughters are all named Mary. Um, <laughs> we're all, Brian and I both had Marys on both sides of the family who were really neat, strong grandmothers and aunts. And we wanted to carry that on with our first daughter um, Mary Frances, who goes by Francie. And then, um, when we had our second, they were all surprises. So when she came out a girl, we thought, well, we have to honor our, the grandmother on my side. And so we did Mary Marjorie and she goes by Maisie. Um, and we kind of both figured we'd just have boys from there and have two Marys and then start having boys, but we kept having girls. <laughs> so luckily, we had plenty of other, um, grandmothers and aunts. So, uh, Mary Jane is our third named after my dad's mom. She goes by JJ. And Mary Teresa is our uh, bringing up the rear, our fourth, named after my aunt, um, who's a Teresa, and she goes by Tessa. So we, um, everybody who goes by nicknames, it's not confusing in real life, but we are <laughs> the five Marys, and I think 
people remember us as those crazy people who named all of their kids Mary. <laughs> well, and it's such a cute thing. I mean, when you hear the story and everything, it's such a, um, you know, a, a gesture towards the strong women in your life. And then obviously hoping to create strong women moving forward as well within your daughters. So such a cool kind of uh, tradition. And uh, I don't know, like you said, it kind of happened all within itself, but very cool story. Right. Yeah, we like the tradition and kind of the, the family heritage of it. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, switching back now to all of the business stuff you just talked about. So I know you said, you know, you started as a kind of a weekend project, grew into something much more as things in agriculture tend to do. Um, you know, you start with the two cows and then next thing you know, you got ahead of 175. Um, but what has maybe been the biggest challenge kind of transitioning from, you know, this kind of corporate world to the more agriculture side of things? You know, it was a big change for us and everything in ranching is challenging. You know, I think that's one thing that we, um, we knew, but we learned firsthand when we jumped into it, you know, every day was a new obstacle, a new challenge. Um, everything's hard. <laughs> Nothing is easy. That's one of our favorite lines. We actually named our, one of our whiskeys, um, nothing's easy, nothing's easy bourbon, because we say that to each other literally all day. <laughs> um, but there, I think we just realized that farming and ranching and agriculture is really hard. You know, the, the lifestyle um, and the family connections and the purposefulness of what you're doing make it all so worth it. You know, at the end of the day, hanging your hat, feeling accomplished with what you did that day, um, it makes it worth it. But man, it's, it's hard. It's not easy, no matter how many generations you've been doing it. Um, the number of challenges that arise are, are numerous. And in the beginning, there were a lot and there still are, but we, you know, every year we, we learn a little more, we get a little more experience under our belt. Um, but, you know, coming from Silicon Valley, where we worked with a lot of really smart people, Brian and I always say to each other that the people that we've encountered in um, the agricultural community are some of the smartest people we've ever met. You know, ranching takes a lot of ability to think on your feet problem solve, um, be a jack of all trades, knowing, you know, all the, the, the trades and nutrition and weather. And there's so many aspects involved in, um, in ranching that we've learned from people who've been willing to share what they know and just um, are always inspired by how capable and, um, and helpful people are in, in helping us get started. Yeah, and that's an excellent point, because I think there's maybe this like negative thought maybe in kind of general consumerism of, you know, this pokey old guy out in his overalls out in the, the uh, field looking at the cows or crops or whatever. And that really couldn't be further from the truth, because like you said, farmers are some of the, or, or people in agriculture really, are some of the smartest people. There's so many different factors that have to play into just getting through the day that yeah. people never even realize. Yeah, and there's no days off. You don't get exactly. to you know, take a break or, or take a vacation without a lot of work going into planning that. Exactly. And from a business standpoint, you know, you've taken this idea of a restaurant and kind of it's evolved clearly into more businesses. But what about agriculture was attractive to you guys from a business standpoint? You know, we kind of, it, we say the ranch sort of found us. We didn't, you know, make spreadsheets and business plans and say, this is what we want to do and this is how we're going to make it work. Um, we fell in love with the lifestyle and 
the, um, the way our family operated together when we were working hard, manual labor, out there caring for livestock. Um, and Brian and I have always kind of been, you know, we'll make it work. There's a way to make it work. Where there's a will, there's a way. And so we, we looked at it like, this is what we want. This is the lifestyle we want. Now, how can we make this work without either of us having to have off-farm jobs? Um, and so we really looked at, you know, how to make the most of our margins. Um, we knew selling, um, traditional to a traditional commercial, uh, market wasn't going to work for us because we had so much startup expense to, um, make that happen. And both of us wanted to be on the ranch full time. So selling direct to consumer to us seemed like the logical, um, way to get the most bang for our buck with what we were doing. Uh, also because we wanted to have this really premium product at the end that required a lot of extra resources with, um, you know, we do 180 days on finished ration, the dry aging is another expense. Um, we knew to make that work, we'd really need to get this product in our customers' hands and find those customers that were willing to pay for a premium product. Um, we all, always say you can't have awesome and cheap and our, <laughs> our meat is, um, it's not going to be the cheapest meat around, but we, we had to find people who were seeking out a really premium product and are willing to pay for it, willing to pay to have it shipped to their doorstep. Um, so we started using social media really when we moved there just as a way for me to share um, this total change in lifestyle with friends and family. And then it kind of grew organically just because people were interested to see, you know, I think we had a unique perspective because we came from um, a suburban area, totally 360 or 180 our life. And, um, and I think a lot of people, especially now, are really drawn to the idea of, you know, getting back to the land, getting back to a simpler life, even though just like we say, ranchers have a stigma of, um, of not being smart. They also, there's also a stigma of ranching being simple and, or agriculture being simple. And it's the farthest thing from the truth. So, um, we, uh, sorry, we got visitors. Um, we, where was I? Uh, the stigma of kind of uh, agriculture being simple and using social media to kind of mold your business. Yes. So um, we kind of started sharing the day-to-day -day experience our family was having on social media from, you know, getting up early to raise our livestock, pulling calves, castrating pigs. Um, and these things were all new to me. And so I was able to kind of share them from that perspective of, wow, this is like really unusual, or here's what I'm learning. Um, where I think people who have been doing this for generations, they might be like, this is just the way it happens. Like, why would anyone <laughs> want to know this? Um, so I, things were really new to me and I could share those. Um, and I think people became interested to see, you know, how, how that was working and how we were progressing and how we were going to take, you know, some bare dirt with a little bit of infrastructure on it and turn it into, um, a viable business. So we started sharing on social media and it's just grown really organically since then. We've never had like a huge bump or a huge growth. It's just um, people interested in wanting to be a part of our story. Um, and since then, I've started this entrepreneurs group, our small business from scratch course. Um, that's a whole digital online format. And then we do some in-person workshops and classes too. Um, way of sharing what we've learned with others. You know, Brian and I believe there's plenty of mouths to feed and in this country and 
we can all, if when we all work together, it really benefits all of us, especially those of us in agriculture, um, to just get the message out there about what, what ranchers are doing, how to buy from a small farm. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be all, our small farm, but there's so many people out there and more and more doing direct to consumer um, that we might not have known, you know, we might not have had years of experience in agriculture, but we both have years of experience in business. Right. And so this course kind of combines everything we've learned in the journey to set up a small business in agriculture from the ground up because anybody can do it. You know, you don't have to be born into, into it to start from scratch. Um, but also just sharing Brian's legal knowledge, my business knowledge, like how to set up a website. Do you need to be an LLC or a sole proprietor, insurance, payroll, employees, employee manuals, you know, all the stuff that you can trial and error and make those mistakes. Um, in our lifetimes, Brian and I have started 20 different small businesses. So we feel like we've really got that down pat and we wanted to share that with others, especially in agriculture who wanted to get started kind of making a, a business, a family business um, on their own. You know, we see a lot of succession issues where multiple families want to take over a ranch and with the um, expenses these days, it's getting harder and harder, but there are a lot of ways to diversify an operation um, and start something, you know, new, start from scratch, build a website, you know, from a rural area, you don't have to have anything more than an internet connection, which is important and not <laughs> everyone has, but exactly. <laughs> But uh, we wanted to share that and really collaborate and kind of pull together um, to help others do, do, do their own small business and give them the tools along the way to make that happen. So that's been really neat for us to see. We've got, um, I think, 650 small farms and ranches from all over the country in the course. And it's this kind of sisterhood. You know, we have mostly women in the course. We have, a lot, we have some men, but um, it's neat to see these women like really pulling together to say, you know, let how can I do this? How can I solve this? Um, and just getting all the answers from people who have done it before, saving them time and money to um, not have to reinvent the wheel and, and find some experience to get some help with. So Brian and I stay pretty active in that. Um, we're doing Q and A's for the community. We do live chats. We do, um, you know, new resource guides when things change and really try to keep everybody um, as up to date as possible through the course um on on what's new and and what's different yeah, and you mentioned most... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Of them being women in agriculture, and that's an interesting point I wasn't totally planning to talk about, but I'm glad you brought it up because I think it fits in well. Um, you being a woman in agriculture, now you're working with all these other individuals who are kind of in the same realm as you. Maybe what's something that you've maybe noticed or something that's different kind of being a woman in this industry? You know, I've really seen... Um just a surge in women wanting to be more a part of the family business, which I think is nothing unusual. Like these women who are in agricultural families have always worked hard. 
you know, whether they have an off-farm job and then when they get home, they're helping care for the animals, doing the payroll, doing the books, helping their, you know, husbands, families, father-in-laws, mother-in-laws. Um, women in agricultural families are not shy of hard work and it's not something new to them. But what I think is new is, is women saying, you know, we might need to do something different and doing something different on a multi-generational agricultural operation is hard and can get a lot of pushback and is not something um, people are used to, but they see their, you know, four sons out playing outside and wanting to ride and go in the feed truck with dad or with grandpa. And they're like, how are we going to make this work? We can barely keep, you know, one or two families afloat with the way we're doing things. How can we make this work for that generation? And really thinking outside the box to what if we did, you know, direct to consumer operation? What if we opened a farm store? What if we, you know, did a restaurant, like thinking of ways that they can incorporate something in a multifamily or multi-generational existing agricultural operation. Um, and that is, that's no easy task, you know, coming up with what that is and are the profit margins going to be what we need them to be to make it worth it. And then what's the investment, you know, that's usually the biggest hurdle is in change is the investment to an infrastructure to make that change. Right. But like we say in the course, you know, if you start small, it doesn't cost much to build a website, come up with an idea, um, really start small and, and test the waters. But even that requires coming to the family, you know, whether it's your immediate family or extended family and talking about change and talking about doing things differently. Um, and it's, it's not an easy task, but seeing these women take that on and be willing to ask the hard questions and look at things different ways and then spearheading the movement to make that happen. You know, they're up at night now building a website, learning e-commerce, um, figuring out shipping, buying shipping supplies, setting up a little a shipping station in a garage or a, a corner of a barn. Um, you know, it, it's pretty cool to see that change happening and then seeing it work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like this movement of the brand now into a business uh, where it's kind of a, a change of, I don't know, it's, it's a new wave definitely. And I think it's really been fun to kind of watch and unfold as all of these women are kind of trying to diversify the family farm in a new way. Yeah, it's really neat. Uh, so speaking of diversifying, so you guys have cattle, sheep, and pigs, all of these very different livestock. <laughs> How does the management kind of, what's the management mentality maybe behind keeping all of this straight, making sure everything's managed properly, efficiently, and then obviously having a, a successful product at the end of the day? I think the, um, the strategy is don't sleep and just keep working. <laughs> um, coffee. It's, yeah, it's a lot. And having the three different species, um, it's, there's just so many different pens, especially taking them from breeding to finish. You know, we've got our farrying operation, our weaners, our feeders, our breeders, we're doing AI. Um, and doing that with beef and pork and lamb is a lot. And we don't really have much help in the ranch. We don't have a ranch hand. Um, we have our four daughters. We have um, some neighbor kids. We have a family next to us that is great. They've got three teenage boys and a college age girl. Um, and they're our most dependable help. So Brian always laughs like when we'll get together to, you know, we did a branding yesterday. Our average age is usually like 10 or 11 years old, <laughs> but they're, they're dependable. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. And um, they, it's just, it's hard. The hardest thing is to find dependable help um, consistently and have somebody who could be a right arm to Brian. I have a great staff of girls in my shop. 
um, where we're, we're shipping our boxes. It's grown to where we really need a lot of infrastructure here. So we have I think eight of us full time between um, shipping our boxes each week to customers all over the country. And then we've started this um, M5 Ranch School where we're uh, creating kind of an online educational program around um, all things agriculture. So each week we have a different topic from dairies and silage to raising beef cattle, um, raising chickens and birds, um, really kind of giving families who aren't in agriculture a look at these different aspects of, you know, learning welding or learning the trades. And uh, that, that program kind of sprung up during COVID, um, just looking at how education was going to be different this year and providing some resources for parents or distance learners or teachers to bring ag in the classroom. So we've got a great staff of girls in my office. Um, we just are missing that ranch hand. <laughs> We've tried a few here and there and it's hard to find people who are really willing to work um, to work hard and care for your livestock, you know, the way that you do. So Brian has really high standards for, um, for care and expectations. And so we, he does so much. I mean, he's up at 4.30 every day. He's out there in the dark, all kinds of weather. Um, he knows every animal on the ranch and, um, you know, when we're harvesting, we're, we're taking 10 beef cattle a week to the butcher, um, every Monday morning. So he's sorting through our fat pens to figure out exactly who's, you know, ready and, um, and sorting to go on a truck to the butcher. So we, we are, are always feeling like the ranch is, um, you know, the most work, you're never ahead, your to-do list is always long, there's fence that needs fixing, but it's, it's hard to outsource. You kind of just have to, to be in the weeds and, and um, be the ones caring for your animals and getting it done. Yeah, and that, like, exactly like you said, <laughs> it's hard to find people do things the way you would do them. Uh, so <laughs> it's a small pool of uh, eligible employer or employees yeah. at that, that point. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, who can drive heavy equipment and, and do all the things you need to do on a ranch. It's, it's a difficult skill set to find for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So with your customers, so you guys are obviously in direct co uh, connection with consumers. Mm -hmm. How has that been an interesting kind of communication line and navigating all of that as far as, okay, you guys are on the agriculture side. You came from a side that was not necessarily day-to-day -day agriculture, um, maybe more of the kind of consumerism, consumer side of things. Now you've kind of switched roles and you're inside looking out. What, how has that been? You know, it's been great to build up a customer base who's super loyal. I think we, we always try to do everything, you know, top notch. And I think people trust us and they know we're not going to put out a product or a service unless it's top tier. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a very loyal customer base who, um, you know, have been buying from us for seven years since we started or six years I guess is when we started selling product um, and just connecting with people and letting them feel like they're a part of our brand. You know, it's using social media um, really allows you to connect with people and show them a slice of your world that really used to only be for, you know, your neighbors, you would drive down, see your neighbor out there working his cattle and pulling a calf and working in the rain and feel like you wanted to buy and support your, your neighbor. Um, now we're kind of all neighbors when you look on social media and you can click that follow button and get a window into someone's world. Um, and then it's really up to you to share it and keep them engaged. Um, in our course, we talk about 
providing education, providing inspiration, um, and providing entertainment. So if you can, you know, make sure that you're providing those things to your customer base through social media um, or through your audience on social media, you're more likely to convert that audience to customers who want to support you to buy your product. Um, you know, I, I think traditionally people will use the kind of, oh, support your local farmer or, or you know, kind of not a guilt trip, but kind of like a, well, this is what you're, you're supposed to do. You've got, you've got to support these small farms or how are they going to work? And I always say that like guilt is a terrible tactic and doesn't make people feel good and want to buy from you. Um, what does make them feel good and want to buy from you is making them feel a part of it. So we really just try to share our lives and connect with people um, and offer our product. And if they want to buy it, great. And you know, we're, we're not going to be the ones who are going to say, you know, you have, you have to support a small family farm. Um, I just like prefer to get people to um, connect with us and, and want to be a part of what we're doing. And the best way for them to do that is to, um, to, you know, get our own product in their own houses and feeding their families with it and, and feeling good about it. Well, it's that level of transparency and trust, I think, too, that really helps establish the uh, customer to business relationship as well. Yep, for sure. And just kind of, you know, I've followed you guys and looked through your website and all of that kind of stuff. You are a marketing genius. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just everything is so perfectly laid out and it flows nicely and everything is just great when you look at it. It's very user friendly and everything like that. Well, how, did you, how did you figure out this recipe for success? You know, I haven't figured it out. <laughs> no, I figured it out. <laughs> I think it's just being authentic and sharing um, and just feeling like, you know, you're talking to, to a friend, um, you're, you know, we talk about in the course, how you're, you're pitching to your ideal customer. You're not going to make everybody happy, but you, you want to connect with people who are, um, have the same values as you and are looking for a product like yours. And just by being real and sharing the good, the bad, um, we always say reserve the ugly cause that's too much for Instagram, <laughs> but, um, the the good days, the hard days, kind of feeling like they're a part of your family. You know, it's really neat to have these people say, oh my gosh, I remember when Tess was two years old and now look at her. And like these, these people have been a part of your lives for so long and, you know, just treating them like their family members, not being, um, over, not, not overthinking, you know, what you're sharing, what you're not sharing. Um, I think it's really important. I do. I think it's important and, but we all have a responsibility to show agriculture in a good light. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're really careful about not showing those days when you've got a cow ankle deep in mud or belly deep in mud, because there's things on a ranch that you can't avoid no matter how hard you try. Um, and just being really careful to, um, to share with people who aren't familiar with agriculture, the, the realness of it, but showing it in a way that um, puts it in its best light. You know, yeah. we, we want to connect with people and educate them um, and really kind of give them a picture of what it's like living on a farm, what it's like caring for animals, how we're getting our product to them, um, but doing so in a way that really provides accurate education. Um, and that can be a little bit challenging. But other than that, I think, you know, just being real and, and sharing your day to day, making sure that you've got, you know, good good quality photos that you're putting out there or, um, engaging content. Um, and people, people really kind of feel that connection. 
Yeah, and you guys have, I think, done, well, obviously with your following and everything, have done a great job of really kind of showing the realness, but, you know, the... I don't want to say highlight reel because that's not what it is. It's the day-to-day <laughs> things. But um, like you said, portraying agriculture in a positive light and kind of sharing your story as it is particular to you guys. Yeah. So very quickly, because you guys have a lot going on and I just wanted, because for everybody who may be listening or watching, we talked about a bunch of different businesses, but could you maybe just kind of give a quick synopsis of each kind of business that you guys have in the, in the fire right now? Sure. So, um, Five Mary's Farms is our main operation where we sell our beef, pork, and lamb um, and lots of other goodies all over the country. And then we, after saying we'd never do a restaurant again, we bought the old uh, kind of town bar um, and opened up Five Mary's Burger House in Fort Jones where we sell, um, we do breakfast, well, we do brunch, lunch, and dinner uh, six days a week for our community and also a lot of people who come to visit from far and wide and kind of make it a destination spot. We've got our own wine and our own whiskey, um, Five Mary's whiskey and um, a couple different varieties of wine in the restaurant that we sell. Um, then we have Five Mary's Farm Store in town, which is where we ship. Um, this is where I am right now. Uh, three days a week, we ship our goods all over the country. Um, and then we have Camp Five Mary's. We built, when we moved to the ranch, we moved from a big, pretty, well amenitized house to a tiny 760 square foot cabin with wood as our only source of heat, no amenities, no dishwasher. Um, but we really just found a lot of um, satisfaction in a small house, um, a closeness for our family that we thought we wouldn't make it a year in. And it's been seven years and we're still in our tiny house um, and don't have plans to go anywhere. But we love entertaining and hosting people on the ranch, you know, letting our customers feel like they're a part of Five Marys. So we built um, an outdoor kitchen, uh, outdoor bathrooms, outdoor showers, some wall tents up on a beautiful spot on our ranch where um, during the warmer months, we host groups, we host families, um, we do some small business retreats. And uh, you know, are able to cook beautiful meals. We've got a, a commercial kitchen wa- uh, washroom in the back. So it, it all shows well, but it functions really well too. Um, and then in the winter, we just kind of restored the old homestead house on our property and um, built a test kitchen so that we can cook recipes all year long. Uh, I just had a cookbook release September 8th, Five Mary's Ranch Raised Cookbook. That was a project two years in the making. It was a huge undertaking and um, was so exciting to finally hold that book in my hands. But kind of with the launch of that, we um, remodeled and built this test kitchen where we can share recipes, test recipes. Um, You know, it's all kind of goes back to selling our meat. But if we can give people um, easy ways to cook asabuco or cook those roasts, or cook the cuts that we have in abundance as we're selling a whole animal. And, you know, steaks are easy to sell. Um, there might be a lot of ground beef or we might have a lot of extra roasts in the summertime. So by sharing content um, and cooking, that really helps us to move some of our meat. So we built a test kitchen that's been a lot of fun to cook in, film some recipes in. Um, we have the M5 Ranch School, which is basically an egg in the classroom or egg at home. Um, 50, well, we'll do a lesson a week, um, most of the year. And, uh, each lesson has a video, really fun, engaging video, um, worksheets, activities. Most of them have an entrepreneur's worksheet that kind of helps 
younger uh, people get started thinking about entrepreneurial endeavors. Um, and then we have, what am I forgetting? It's ranch. a long list. <laughs> the M yeah, and in ranch school, we do like weekly live streams and um, it's, it's been a really neat way to get kids kind of connected to agriculture. Um, and then we have the M5 Entrepreneur Academy, which is our small business group. Um, we open up twice a year and have a small business boot camp that's kind of start your own business in two weeks um, and that is open all year long. I think that's it. Well, but you for now. <laughs> we're also opening a, a butchery, um, Five Mary's yes. Custom Meat Co. that uh, has been four years in the in the making. It's probably the biggest endeavor Brian and I have ever taken on. Um, it's you know iterations have changed whether we're building um how big we're building it if we're doing slaughter if we're just doing cut and wrap um but we're finally in the final stages of permit process with a um design build that we feel really good about um, we bought some property in fort jones we'll put it in town um, and we should break ground very soon you know it's kind of the achilles heel in um direct to consumer is the processing um, even more so, you know, recently people uh, have had a harder and harder time getting dates with their processor. Um, we've just always struggled with the quality of the cuts, the wraps, the packaging. You know, we work so hard to breed, birth, raise, feed these products and that are these animals. And then when you want the product to be perfect for your customer, um, it's hard to just pass it off to someone for that very important final step. Mm -hmm. So we feel like to really have control and be vertically integrated, um, it's a really important piece of our puzzle. So we should break ground on that and have our own custom MECO um, that we will do 50% our own work and 50% work for other small farms and ranches um, locally. So that should be exciting once we get it up and running. Yeah, that was gonna be my next question if you was gonna be just for you guys or everybody. So that's really cool because that obviously opens up another door for uh, other local ranches and farms so very yeah cool. it's very needed well mary i want to first of all just say thank you and congratulate you guys on your success that you've had uh, thus far and i'm excited to watch you continue to grow um, but thank you for joining me and chatting with me today um, but kind of lastly where can people find you and connect with you across all of your platforms i'd say the best way to connect is on instagram we're five mary's farms um, our website is also a great place to find everything about Five Marys, and that's fivemarysfarms.com. Um, from there, you can link to shop our meat is fivemarysmeats.com. Um, but we can, if you if you search Five Marys at uh, the Google toolbar, you should be able to find anything and everything you want to know. Yes, everything does pop up. That's tested because I've been on there a lot lately. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Um, well, again, thank you, Mary, for taking time out of your very busy schedule and all of your craziness going on. And um, thank you for everybody who's listened or watched this episode as well. Yeah, it was great to chat with you today. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Dirt. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Ag Chicks and that the visual version of every episode can be found on YouTube on our Ag Chicks channel. We'll see you all next time. Bye.